In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. 
us pray. Almighty and merciful God, who made the priest St. John Vianney wonderful in his pastoral zeal, grant we pray that through his intercession and example, we may in charity win brothers and sisters for Christ and attain with them eternal glory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the book of Leviticus. The Lord said to Moses, These are the festivals of the Lord, which you shall celebrate at their proper time with a sacred assembly. The Passover of the Lord falls on the 14th day of the first month at the evening twilight. The 15th day of this month is the Lord's Feast of Unleavened Bread. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first of these days you shall hold a sacred assembly and do no sort of work. On each of the seven days you shall offer an oblation to the Lord. Then on the seventh day you shall again hold a sacred assembly and do no sort of work. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the children of Israel and tell them, when you come into the land which I am giving you and reap your harvest, you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, who shall wave the sheaf before the Lord, that it may be acceptable for you. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall do this. Beginning with the day after the Sabbath, the day on which you bring the wave offering sheaf, you shall count seven full weeks, and then on the day after the seventh week, the fifth day, you shall present the new cereal offering to the Lord. The tenth of this seventh month is the day of atonement, when you shall hold a sacred assembly and mortify yourselves and offer an oblation to the Lord. The fiftieth day of the seventh month is the Lord's Feast of Booths, which shall continue for seven days. On the first day, there shall be a sacred assembly, and you shall do no sort of work. For seven days, you shall offer an oblation to the Lord, and on the eighth day, you shall again hold a sacred assembly and offer an oblation to the Lord. On that solemn closing, you shall do no sort of work. These, therefore, are the festivals of the Lord, on which you shall proclaim a sacred assembly and offer as an oblation to the Lord burnt offerings and cereal offerings, sacrifices and libations as prescribed for each day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh 
Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus came to his native place and taught the people in their synagogue. They were astonished and said, where did this man get such wisdom and mighty deeds? 
Is he not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother named Mary, and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Are his sisters not all with us? Where did this man get all this? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his native place and in his own house. And he did not work many mighty deeds there because of their lack of faith. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What are the qualities of love? St. Thomas Aquinas would tell us that love is diffusive of itself, which means that love's nature is to shine, not unlike the lights in this auditorium, and it's in love's nature to spread itself without reserve. Secondly, St. Thomas would describe love as benevolentia, or what we call in English benevolence, which means to will the good of the other person. And thirdly, and I don't intend this to be an exclusive list, love desires the company, the presence of the beloved, and even more, communion between two hearts. These are the qualities of love, dear people, because they reflect the architecture or the design of the human heart. Consider what you hope you will receive from someone who loves you. Generous, self-forgetful care, and kindness. That is the shining without reserve. And we like to receive encouragement and support for our most noble, virtuous, and challenging aspirations. That's to will the good of the other. And we desire the beloved person's time and nearness. And that is the presence or the communion that love intends. When we don't receive these things, we feel the loss and can even suffer acutely, sharply, particularly when we once enjoyed them from someone whom we love. Today is Friday the day of the week when we honor the sacred heart of Jesus, which is divine love enfleshed in human form. God is love, as St. John tells us in one of his letters. So thinking of the three qualities we considered a moment ago, first of all, Christ is the light of the world, 
He shines without reserve. Secondly, He wishes our salvation as the greatest of all goods. And our Lord desires our presence with Him in heaven in perfect and permanent union of two hearts. The qualities of love we are considering then not only reflect the hopes of your heart and of mine in what we receive and in what we wish to give, but they also reflect the contours of Jesus' own divine and human heart. Friday is the day of the week when we honor the Lord's passion, and we recall his pierced and broken sacred heart, the terrible effect of sin and selfishness of man's rebellion against his creator and redeemer, who is the one who will always love us best and most. So in one sense, Love gives without cost, the first quality, but at the same time, nothing of value comes without cost. In other words, the more we love something or someone, the more we will sacrifice. Is this not the story of Calvary? of our Lord's immeasurable love for each of us as expressed by his embrace of the cross. Finally, today is the memorial of St. John Vianney, the patron saint of parish priests. John Vianney said the priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. Your prayers Support the efforts of your priests to accomplish the most important work Christ the High Priest has entrusted to us, and that is to share the love of God with you and to build up that love in your heart by our witness, by our teaching, and by our pastoral charity. As you may know, St. John Vianney achieved that goal most notably in the confessional as an exceptional channel, an instrument of God's mercy. We priests need his heroic example and powerful intercession to help us to do what we were ordained to do, to serve you, God's people, and to show you the way to heaven. St. John Vianney reminds us that prayer unites us to God in love, that prayer brings to the human heart light, salvation, the greatest of all goods, and the happiness that only union with God can produce. Prayer, the saint taught, gives us a foretaste of heaven where the heart will find lasting and perfect joy. To pray well may be difficult, 
But the Lord will reward those who persevere and remain faithful. I keep a prayer in my breviary that St. John Vianney wrote, which I say each day. It includes this line. Give me the grace to suffer while loving you, and give me the grace to love you while suffering. Give me the grace to suffer while loving you, and give me the grace to love you while suffering. The second part may be easier to understand. We never want our suffering to impede our love for God, especially since it can be easy in human weakness to forget him and others when we are in pain of any kind. Why do we want to avoid this? Because our Lord's suffering during his passion did not cause him to forget us. On the contrary. But what about the first part? Give me the grace to suffer while loving you. Why would we ask for that grace? Does not love try to prevent the suffering of the beloved? Surely, love certainly attempts that. It is another quality of love to protect the heart of another from what it finds painful. Yet compassion, to suffer with, Another represents love, charity, at its highest level. It is the love of the Immaculate Heart of Mary at the foot of the cross. In a mysterious way, when we suffer with and for another, we can, with the indispensable help of God's grace, ease that person's suffering in some measure and reassure a soul that his or her suffering is not in vain, that it possesses real value, even power, when offered with the suffering of our blessed Lord on the cross. I hope these are more than just rich principles and pious thoughts, dear brothers and sisters. May they serve as a mirror to your own heart, and to the love you receive from and wish to offer the sacred heart of Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate these sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary of a Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. of your servants we pray, O Lord, that we who cannot please you by our own deeds may be saved through the intercession of the mother of your Son and our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the book of Revelation. I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. The former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice coming from the throne saying, Behold, 
God's dwelling is with the human race. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will always be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death or mourning, wailing or pain, for the old order has passed away. The one who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. The word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. While Jesus was speaking, 
a woman from the crowd called out and said to him, Blessed is the womb that carried you, and the breasts at which you nursed. He replied, Rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. The Gospel of the Lord. I saw the new Jerusalem descending from heaven like a bride adorned to meet her husband. The scriptures begin with a wedding, the formation of Adam and Eve and their union by God as husband and wife. The scriptures end with a wedding, the text I just quoted from today's first reading from the book of Revelation. And in the middle, Jesus begins his public ministry at a wedding, the wedding feast of Cana. So there's something very special about a wedding, about a marriage, about a family. In the book of Genesis, as we hear about God's creation, each day he blesses and proclaims it good. When he made the earth and the water and it separated them, when he fashioned the stars, the sun and the moon, he blessed each day and pronounced it good. But on one occasion, in that account of creation, God said that it was not good. He said it was not good for the man to be alone. It was not good for the man to be alone. So what does God do? He casts a deep sleep over Adam. From his side, his rib, he builds up a woman, a helpmate, Eve. He brings Eve to Adam, who says, This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. St. Thomas Aquinas says, Eve was not taken from Adam's head because she was not his superior. She was not taken from his feet because she was not his inferior. But she was taken from his side, close to his heart, to show that she was his equal and to be cherished and loved as a helpmate. And once God had united Adam to Eve in marriage and formed the first family, he looked over all creation and he said, now it is very good. It went from being not good to very good. Just add a woman and things get a lot better. <laughs> so, like any artist, God has his favorites. It's said about Michelangelo that of all his sculptures, alone did he inscribe his name on the Pietà. If you read an the sash of Our Lady. Michelangelo made this <laughs> because it was his favorite work. 
He wanted no counterfeits. He wanted no one to claim the credit that Pieta was his masterpiece. So too with God. God writes his very image, his inscription, so to speak, upon his favorite work of creation, the human family, uniting a husband and wife in marriage, and from that marriage bringing forth many children. The reason why marriage and family are God's favorites is because in a unique way, they reflect the inner life of the Trinity. Have you ever thought about that? The principal mysteries of our Catholic faith, the mystery of the Trinity, the mystery of the incarnation, of the union between Christ and the church, these mysteries are reflected in terms of the relationships within the human family. The relationship of a father to his son, a parent to a child. That is the origin of the mystery of the Trinity. The relationship of a husband to his wife, St. Paul tells us, is an image, a sacrament of the relationship of Christ to the church. And as the fathers of the church go on to say, even the incarnation itself, the union of the divinity and the humanity and the person of Jesus Christ was foreshadowed by marriage, the union of a husband and his wife. So God intends marriage and family to bring about a much greater good than just the mere multiplication of our race, as good as that is. Indeed, nothing you do in your life, save the very worship of God himself, will be as important as bringing new lives into the world. You may work for a Fortune 500 company. You might make billions of dollars. You could be the architect who made St. Peter's Basilica. But I tell you, in 10,000 years, none of those things will exist but your children will stand immortal, intended by God for all eternity to behold his face. So there's very little you can do in this world greater than having children and raising your children and giving them the gift of their Catholic faith. So it is no surprise that Satan hates the family that Satan hates marriage and tries at every turn to undermine it. If we had read the gospel reading for the day instead of the gospel reading which we chose for the Feast of Our Lady, today it would have been about the famous episode of the beheading of St. John the Baptist. You may recall what happened. Herod decided to marry his brother's sister, Herodias. Apparently, they weren't very imaginative with names in those days. So Herod and Herodias were now a couple, a thing. And then Herodias' daughter decides to do a lovely dance. And King Herod is so delighted, he says to the daughter, ask me anything, and I'll give it to you, even half my kingdom. It's a pretty dysfunctional family. 
You know, it sometimes happens that those who stand to gain the most from the teachings of the church are also the ones who most violently oppose it. Isn't that strange and ironic? <laughs> so it was with Herodias. Herodias stood the, to stand the most from the teaching of John the Baptist that you're not supposed to marry your family members. Read between the lines. What is Herod saying to his wife's daughter? I'll give you half the kingdom. He was basically proposing marriage to her. She wasn't bright enough to get it, so her mother says, go get the head of John the Baptist instead. So, a dysfunctional family, and John was standing up there preaching the truth about marriage and family. There's a certain kind of appropriateness that John, who's a kind of a pre-martyr, is martyred for a kind of proto-sacrament before Christ elevated marriage to the dignity of a sacrament, it was already a kind of a pre-sacrament, says St. Thomas Aquinas. There's something already of the sacrament there, even in natural marriage. So John stands up for this. And it happens that in the modern world today, the great, the great fight the great battle is being fought, not over the Trinity, as in the early days of the church, or the Incarnation, as in the Council of Chalcedon. No. The great battle in the church is being fought over whether or not God made them male and female and united them in marriage, about something very natural. We've come to that time that Chesterton spoke about when fires will be kindled in order to testify that two and two make four, swords will be drawn in order to defend the fact that leaves are green in the summer. It is a strange battle we're fighting, but it's not surprising because Satan, above all, hates marriage and family. And he hates your marriage and your family. Stop and think about that the next time you're having an argument with your spouse or your children. Is this really from God? Or is Satan trying to destroy the peace in your family? You see, in a world in which the family is not together, there are children who do not know what it means to call a human being father. And so that window to the inner life of God, the relationship between a child and its parent, a son and his father, is closed. And when divorce and remarriage and what I call serial polygamy plagues the church and the world, a child does not understand the union of Christ and his church, that it is always faithful. So, so many elements of that inner life of God are obscured in a world in which children are not raised in a happy, healthy family. So we must fight for our families. And that fight does not take the form of 
aggression or anger. It takes a form of humility, of confessing our sins, of asking forgiveness, of offering forgiveness. There are many goods you will do in your life, but the greatest act is that act of forgiveness. It is the primary reason why God has permitted the evil of sin in the world. For God permits evil only to bring a greater good out of it. And what is the great good that God brings out of sin in human hearts? The answer is forgiveness. So my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I've been a priest too long to know that your families aren't perfect. Every one of you has something wrong. Every one of you. A relationship between husband and wife, relationship between parent and child. Forgive one another. Humbly confess your own sins. Do not worry about what's fair or what's just. You know what's unfair? That we get to go to heaven. That God should promise us his own happiness. For what? For forgiving our spouse who bore our children? For forgiving our child or our parent? What a beautiful thing it is to forgive. In all of these things, we have the help of her whom we celebrate today, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Her church in Rome has the title of St. Mary Major. Because of all the saints, she's the greatest. God has willed to give the world his only begotten Son and to obtain every single grace from the moment of the Annunciation until the present. Every single grace that goes to human souls comes through the immaculate heart of Mary to you. So if there's only one thing you do in result of this Mass and this homily, please pray the rosary every day as a family. Pray the rosary every day as a family. You will find it does more good than any of the other things you think you're trying to do, psychiatrists and the marriage counselors, and the therapy, pray your family rosary every day. It was she who delighted the heart of God. And God said to her, ask me anything and I will give it to you. Ask her for health and holiness and peace in your family. And she will ask God, and God will grant her prayer.